This edition of the Ag State of Mind podcast is brought to you by X-Way Brand Fungicides by FMC. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows. Today, we have one of the most special episodes that I have had the pleasure of recording. I got to record with my friend, Elaine Fraze. Elaine is a farmer, a farmer coach, specializing in farm transition planning up in Manitoba, Canada. And let me tell you, friends, this was one of the most powerful and beautiful episodes that I had the chance to record because... What we are talking about is something that is very close to me, very real for me, and something that's very personal for me, too. And I'll be honest here, Elaine carried this episode because a lot of it was really heavy for me, and I got emotional, and I really don't think... Um, I was <laughs> I was in the state of mind to really like be on top of things as as well as I could have been, um, but thankfully Elaine is an incredible speaker, an incredible guest, and I am very fortunate to have had her on the podcast. So I'm very excited for you guys to hear this. This is actually going to be split into two parts here. Um, it was a very long episode, and I'm very fortunate to have had this conversation with her. So uh, look for part two coming at you next week. All right, Elaine Fraze, welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast. I feel like this has been a long time coming, you and I getting together for a podcast, but we finally made it here. You're here, and I thank you for your time here tonight. I'm very excited to have a conversation with you. You were on Clay Connery's Working Cows podcast a couple of times now, if I'm correct. You're on my friend Tracy Burnett's uh, The Impact Farming Show. Believe you've been on it. Were you on Mary Jo Ehrman's podcast as well? No, you should be. She, you need to be. She needs to get on that. But you, you are just a wealth of knowledge. In, I mean, I, I like to think of you as kind of a farmer philosopher, if you will. You know, and it's you've been very helpful to me. And I just want you to share who you are, what you do, and then we'll take it from there. So Jason, I am a farm kid at heart. I grew up on a farm just outside of Winnipeg and my great grandfather bought the land from a Métis woman back in the 1880s. My grandfather, Isaac Bruce, was born in 1885. And I grew up in a, a stone 
brick house that was built by my great grandfather that a Scottish stonemason used to play his bagpipes in in the evenings. And then as I was very active in 4-H, I started speaking at the age of nine, ended up in Boys of Ain, Manitoba, which is where I am now on mile 16. So for your U.S. listeners, I live 16 miles north of the U.S. border, right above North Dakota and the International Peace Garden. I was an extension, what you would call an extension county home economist who fell in love with a local farmer named Wes. And so he and I have been married for 40 years and we only live two miles from town, which is ideal. Right. And we have a 5,000 acre seed farm and certified seed business, which our 33 year old son Ian runs. And he and his wife live 159 steps from my back door <laughs> across the shelter belt. And they have three beautiful grandchildren, aged four, three, and one and a half. And then our daughter uh, is single and she lives just 45 minutes north in Brandon. So that's the location part. And I've called myself a farm family coach now for mm-hmm. over 20 years. I studied in, in uh, Santa Barbara, California with the Hudson Institute. And the amazing story about that is I just picked up the phone when I learned about coaching and Dr. Pam McLean answered the phone and she said, oh, Elaine, I've been to the Peace Gardens and the music camp and my farm where I grew up is on the other side of the border from you. And it was such a serendipitous thing because that coaching uh, training has stood me in good stead, Jason, for my passion in helping farm families find harmony through understanding. And I mentioned I started speaking in 4-H when I was nine, and and I love to speak in front of in-person audiences. And now, of course, for the last 20 months during this, what I call the great pause, mm-hmm. I have been doing what you and I are doing right now is having Zoom calls. And I just had a presentation today with 80 financial advisors, and it was awesome. And I didn't have to leave my husband, my farm, or my grandchildren. So if there's a silver lining, it's being able still to encourage farm families and and ranchers virtually. But I was in Deadwood, South Dakota last week Mm -hmm. on Friday, speaking to the Wyoming, South Dakota Young Farmers and Ranchers Conference. And it, it it was so delightful. It was so good. So I wear many hats, but I'm also the eldest of five. And got a story there too about my farm family of origin. And I've gone through three transition plans with my parents, with my in-laws, and now with our son and daughter-in-law. So that's kind of, and I'm a woman of faith. So when I was in uh, North Dakota, I went to Hobby Lobby because we don't have Hobby Lobby in Canada. <laughs> so shout out to all the great signs. And I, I want to I show this to you because this is such a great sign I found. I trust the next chapter because I know the author. And, and that kind of thing is hard to find in Canada. So again, my traveling, traveling encouragement comes from a lot of different places. That's really great. And just, you know, so much that you're doing. And, you know, I want to kind of dive into your role as a farm family coach, because man, is that something we need? Farm family coach. I, you know, listeners of this podcast know, you know, I'm from a farm family, obviously. Family farming is something that is deeply ingrained in me. And it's something that I take a lot of pride, take a lot of passion in. But it's not all 
sunshine and roses or whatever metaphor you want to use to describe it. It's It can be tough and it can be hard. And some of the conversations that you have to have when you're in places like you obviously have been, like my family is in right now it's a very it's a very difficult and kind of dicey place to be i guess or it can be but you're also you're kind of proof to say that it doesn't have to be that way either it doesn't have to be so i mean it's it's always going to be hard right transitioning is hard making things change is hard but it doesn't have to be so many hurt feelings. I think that's I think that's one of the biggest commonalities in a lot of these situations is the fact that there's feelings hurt and probably more than that fear of feelings hurt. Well, and what you're talking about Jason is what I call the emotional factors affecting planning. And I I, I just had to bring up my staples easy button. <laughs> that would be easy. <laughs> Because today my blog just went out because it's Thursday. And I just wrote about where is it written that transition planning has to be tough. Mm. And and when you were saying, you know, that sometimes you think of me as a bit of a, a farm family philosopher, maybe that's an interesting moniker because I am working so intensely and intentionally to change mindsets around what we say, this is the way it has to be. And so when I get a young man who is, very keen and passionate about farming, but his father is literally swearing at him every day. I look at him and I say, why are you still there? And, and he says, well, that's not normal. I go, no. Or today on my call with a group of financial advisors, there were 80 of them on this uh, virtual event I did for two hours. They were just spellbound. And this one woman texted me, she said, Elaine, it's my 86 year old grandfather with his 35 cows. And he's just not letting go. And I said, well, you know, his wife's gone. He loves his cows and that's his passion. But how can you start putting your name on things so that he still feels secure in his future? And yet you also get a way to leverage yours, right? So what I like to do is, is I have this thing called culture beat strategy, which is a Peter Drucker quote. And actually his real quote was culture beat strategy for breakfast. <laughs> and what I ask listeners to do, even while they're listening to this now, if they can, is write down these three words, believe, behave, and decide. What is it you believe to be true? And I'm, I'm wired for positivity, Jason. When you do StrengthsFinder 2.0, Elaine phrase comes up as empathy, positivity, communication, <laughs> lifelong learning, and woo. And what's woo? Woo is winning others over quickly. And that's what I have to do because I'm meeting total strangers every day and walking alongside and saying, okay, so what do you believe to be true? Second thing is, how are you guys behaving towards each other? Are you treating each other with love, respect, and, and curiosity? And then the third piece is, how are you making decisions? Because, you know, our son is 33. He's the father to three beautiful children and his lovely wife and my daughter-in-law. And my, my husband, Wes, will always be the father to Ian. But what the beautiful thing that's happening now is they're walking shoulder to shoulder as business partners. And that's what we all want. We, you, Jason, you're not 12 years old anymore. 
I don't even think you're 21 anymore because you have four boys and one of them's 16, you know? And so we lose track of time. And as a Hudson coach, I have this thing called the great age adventure. And I went through that today. So for listeners in your twenties, you're wanting independence in your thirties. You need to master success, but you're exhausted because you're raising young children. And then I have no idea, Jason, how old you are, but if, if you're in your 40s as a, a young rancher and a young successor, male or female, you need equity. You need to know that all your blood, sweat, and tears in agriculture is working towards something that is actually going to come back as equity and control and ownership and, and benefit you and your kids, right? And then we get the 50-year-olds who say, you know, Elaine, I don't, my body's like wearing out and I don't want to do this too much longer. I want to simplify my life. And then you get the 60-year-olds, like my husband, who says, okay, Ian and I have an agreement for how we're going to buy out one of the businesses, which which they did. And now my husband is basically starting over as the hired man again. And that's fine because he can give up his identity as being the main manager. And then we have to talk about the ranchers who are 70, 80, and 90 right? And I'm, I'm sitting in Deadwood, South Dakota in the lodge in these beautiful leather cub chairs, trying to make it back to my room after the banquet. And it took me a while, which I didn't mind, of course, because everyone said, Elaine, can we just sit down? And they want to sit down and they want to tell me their story and they go, what do I do? And the first question I asked Jason is, how old are you? Because as soon as they tell me they're 72, I get a really clear picture about why the tension is there and those emotional factors are blowing up because the the guy is 72, his wife is 68, let's say. She wants to move to town, but he doesn't want to leave the ranch. Or mom is 72, dad's 75. Mom's given dad the best 50 years of her life. And I look at dad and I say, when is it mom's turn to get what she really wants? And then he looks at me and he says, Elaine, you are so fired, <laughs> right? Because I'm asking a really uncomfortable question. Like, come on, man. She's given you her best 50 years. Yeah. When can she have the life she's always wanted? So these conversations, Jason, are one big adventure. And I do not, I do not read fiction. I just can't because I see all this drama and emotion. <laughs> <laughs> happening every day you know with all these yeah why would you stories. why would you yeah. yeah it's way way more interesting oh and, and and i love i love farm people because i am one and always have been and i grew up chasing cows right beside the trans canada highway i have a barbed wire scar on my left leg from trying to get my sister over a fence while we got stampeded by a oh, bunch boy. of steers and you know i've helped and watched my dad you know birth out or calve out his herefords which later became a huge feedlot operation. Anyway, we all have stories. But again, the mindset that I want to challenge your listeners in is what is the story you're telling yourself, which is exactly what Brene Brown says. And I'm a big fan of her mm -hmm. podcast called Unlocking Us and Dare to Lead. And I just bought her book last weekend, Atlas of the Heart. And it's quite interesting reading because farm families are overwhelmed. And your podcast is Ag State of Mind. And we have to take care of our minds and we have to pay attention to the stories we're telling ourselves and how we're thinking. And so today in my audience, I said, what does a good day look to, like to you on the farm? And, and when you're approaching a client, because these were advisors, I, I say, open up the conversation with, 
what's the most important thing for us to talk about today, Jason? And then I take your lead because you have something that you need and I need to hear what you need. So you're, so Jason, that, that wasn't rhetorical, I take it. Well, I, I mean, I can't, it can be, <laughs> but I'd really, you know, you said tonight, we're just going to have a conversation. So I'm curious, what's the most important thing that you and I need to talk about now that we're actually finally together? I think what it is, is exactly what you say. And I'm going to be really honest here. You, you mentioned those two couples in their 70s that hurt that hit me here because that's my folks right mm-hmm. they're actually even older than that my folks are in their 80s and you know and i want to be very respectful of them here uh, mm-hmm. but you know i don't think it's any secret that they're you know the years are they don't have a whole lot of them in front of them right right and i want to and i love my parents more than anything but I saw them and and I heard the concerns of both my mom and my dad when you were describing those those couples based on age. And I'm not sure I can do anything to change that. What I want to do for me and and as me, I'm speaking as my generation as well. Okay, Um, because I I think everybody can find some solace in what I'm talking about and kind of see themselves in this situation that I'm putting out before them. I don't want that to happen to us. No, I I, I'm going to tell you what right now, Elaine, do you want to know what my dream job is when I'm 70 years old? Yes, I do. It's to be a farmhand. That is exactly what I want to do. To do mm. all the fun stuff and not worry about the, the business side of it. Or And is that going to include grunt work or are you going to let the youngers do oh, that? Oh, the youngers <laughs> are going to do the grunt work. I'm going to drive a tractor, ride a, you know, ride a horse if I'm still able. That sort and of check thing. Check Yeah, yeah, yeah. Close the gates. I'm going to do the, I'm going to do the easy stuff. You know, I want the, uh, that's, that's what we're hopefully going to have grandkids for, right? Okay. <laughs> grandkids are the best i'm just telling you yeah it's awesome. so you know carrie and i have this and we are of this changing mindset like you talk about where we don't want that to be our identity we don't want to or okay maybe it's not that we don't want that to be our identity it's okay that it's our identity but we we have to diversify our identity we have to put we have to realize that we ourselves are bigger than than this farm than well and that the farm right and and there's this wonderful book by john ortberg called the life you've always wanted and he says when I go, I want to be rich towards God and rich in relationship. So when you're 70 out riding your horse around the pasture, checking cows and doing all the fun stuff, and also teaching your grandchild how to ride, that's a delightful place to be because you're not taking any of this with you. And my concern, my concern in agriculture, Jason, is the balance sheet zeros are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so Another thing, another myth buster in agriculture that I've just been speaking about this week with my coaching clients is so much all of the assets and the money and the wealth is tied up in the ranch or the farm. And people have not paid attention to how they want to 
have liquidity of, a, of their personal wealth bubble to bless themselves with a decent lifestyle as they go from 80 to 100. And I have a girlfriend who says, who's the same age as I am. And she says, well, Elaine, it's zero to 20. I might have zero left, years left, or I might have 20. So we don't know. We take one day at a time, but we have a plan and we have wisdom to know that we can have wealth that we can also distribute to the non-business heirs, the non-ranch families, the non-farm families. But we also have enough wealth to, to take care of ourselves without interrupting that core massive assets in the business of the ranch or the business of the farm. And I have this expression that comes from a book called The Unemotional Black by Susan Forward. And she says, where is it written? Where is it written, Jason, that at 72, you can't have that kind of life? Repeat that book for me one more time because the audience- it's called, Yeah, it's called Emotional Blackmail by Susan Forward. And quite often I, I read a lot of books because I've also been writing in a column called Grain News and Progressive Dairy Well and Grain News for 27 years. So it's turned into five books. But what I, what I like to do when I read these books is to find language, Jason, that helps people explain. So if I was to talk to your mom and dad in their 80s, I'd say, you know, Mr. Meadows, I'm just really curious. What does a good day look like to you? Describe that to me. And then I'd ask your mom and, and say, is that the same kind of day for you or is it different? And are you both getting what you really want? And there's another mind-blowing question. You ask a 67-year-old grain farmer in Nebraska what he really wants, and he can't tell you because he's never really sat down long enough in quiet to really think about, you know, what do I really want? And if I want this, how am I going to get it? And I'm a home economist by degree, so my brain is always wired for what is the issue or the problem or the undiscussable, the bull in the middle of the room that no one's talking about, right? Here he is. And okay, so now we know what the issue is. And they say, Elaine, I thought that by the time I was 67, all my debt would be gone. And it's not. I said, okay, so are you going to let the next generations shoulder some of that? Well, no, I don't want to pass that on to my kids. Well, have you asked them? Well, no. Well, come on, love does not read mind. So let's not keep assuming what kind of risk tolerance the next gen has and also what their attitude is towards helping shoulder the debt. Because most people who are in their 30s and 40s say to me, Elaine, my mom and dad have worked their butt off for 45 years. I just want them to have a life and I just want them to be able to enjoy the fruit of their labor. But they have this thing in their head that they're not going to let go of anything until it's perfect or the way they think it should be. And I'm just going, well, those aren't expectations that I think are workable. So we got to have some more discussions. I, this is very emotional for me. So I'm sorry, me, Jason. Me I keep it, no, 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 no. Do not apologize <laughs> because that's means that you're doing something really well. Um, mm -hmm. So I apologize if I am slow to respond or don't have the words tonight because and and coaching we call that let the silence do the heavy lifting because right now you and I are doing a lot of heavy lifting and when I have young men you're in your age and stage sitting at the table and they say Elaine I'm sorry the tears are coming I said please just let them come because finally they've met someone who understands 
who understands it's not because you're being greedy or selfish or entitled. It's because you truly care from the depth of your heart that your mom and dad finish well, finish well financially, finish well emotionally, finish well spiritually and physically. That's a lot of finishing well, right? And, and I, I, my story is very traumatic, Jason. I lost my sister at age 23 to a drunk driver when she was coming back to Winnipeg from my farm here in Boisevain. And my other sister was driving and lived. I lost my father-in-law to a brain shrinking disease, which was the urgency that created our succession plan with my in-laws in 1992. And he was a pastor first and then a farmer. But my farm that I farm with our, my husband is the matriarchal farm. It came through my husband's mom. And then I had 10 months after I buried my father, I buried my mother, mm -hmm. my, my father-in-law, then my mother to an asthma attack in the middle of harvest at age 65. And then more time goes by and my mother-in-law and my father both are diagnosed, my mother-in-law with lung cancer, my father with Alzheimer's in October of 2008. So I have, I have, buried four parents and I've done palliative care four times. So that's our all around death and grief, which is a whole other podcast on how we can plant hope admit, amidst all this loss that people are experiencing now with the great pause. All of this is to say is that we don't know what the journey looks like ahead, but if we walk alongside each other and we keep asking and not assuming it's such a richer experience because when with my in-laws, our succession transition plan only took six months because we knew Wes's dad's brain was shrinking because he's an F, it's F tax. And I don't know as a pharmacist, if you know about fragile X syndrome, but we have three nephews who have fragile X and Wes's sisters are all carriers. So that's a genetic thing that our, our family walks along. And my mom was never the same after my sister was killed. And again, in coaching, people say, well, Elaine, you sound like a counselor. Well, I have counseling skills, but I always say counseling is about recovery, but coaching is about going forward. It's about discovering what you want your life to look like. And if your mom and dad are in their 80s, Jason, they could have 20 more good years. Right, right. Right? right. And that's why this is so precious to you. And also the fact for your boys, mm -hmm. Your boys want to sit or walk beside granddad and say, granddad, tell us how to handle these horses better or show us how to, you know, treat the saddles properly or what would you do differently, granddad? Or what did you, what was life like for you when you were 16? So, and all these things that you're talking about, I feel them very deeply, you know, and, and I don't, I don't want to get too personal on the air here or recorded but i know exactly the things that you're saying because we're going through them in fact i think and i think a lot of farmers when they use the word retirement they talk up they they talk about acquiring land or acquiring assets things that you spend a lot of money on and are worth a lot of money but don't bring back anything necessarily on their own. And, and, I, and I will, I'll say it. I know that that was a big part of my mm -hmm. dad's plan was more land, right? More land. And I'm thankful he bought a lot of land because we have a lot of land. And I'm very gracious for that. 
but I'm, I see them kind of struggle yes. for the last few years because they don't have the cash flow. And I think that's something that you probably, it's probably all too common in that there's no, you know, and, and my dad used to say, like, oh, there's no better investment than lamb because they don't make anymore. And that's, it's a good point, but you have to, you have to bring it, you have to, there has to be a return, there has to be a monetary return from that for it to actually be a retirement. Well, and for some people, in Jason, in Canada, they hold their land personally, they'll rent their land to the farm corp, and that becomes another income stream for them. So for those people listening, if they just want my whole coaching structure in three easy sentences, it's what is your income stream going to be for the parents and for the next gen? Where are you going to live and for how long? And thirdly, how are you going to be fair to the successors and to the non-business heirs? You figure out those three questions and you'll be on a great path. And today I was mentioning, I came up with a new phrase and I called it cash flow coaching <laughs> because I am very concerned about guys your age and younger who have young children. So typically these, these, these men have, they're working tons of hours, but the farm's only paying them $30,000 a year. And then in Canada, they're getting $20,000 of child tax benefits or whatever whatever that's called when they get paid for their children. So their, their, their annual income for family living is $40,000, which is half of what it should be. And then there's no wiggle room for, for buying equity or debt or equipment or making, making a good gain on the opportunity. And yes, your dad wanted to buy land because that's something he knew. And mm -hmm. he anticipated that over his 60 years of since he was 20 it would gain in value which it has mm -hmm. and then but then there comes the point of what you can use for tax efficiency and i, I talked to my friend allison hinkle from bdo yesterday who's one of my favorite tax specialists in all of canada so a shout out to her but i said allison what tools are you using and, and she said well we have some things around capital gains and things that we can do to pull money out of land and out of property and shift it over to what I called before that personal wealth bubble. And again, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Jason said, your health is your wealth. So I don't really care what your net worth is. I seriously don't. Because if you're like my father-in-law and have a brain shrinking disease, or if you're like my mom was and you have asthma, or if you're like my father was and he had Alzheimer's, or if you're like my mother-in-law who had lung cancer and she never smoked a day in her life, none of that matters if you have all this land and you can't enjoy the fruit of your labor, right? Yeah. But that's my value system. And so you get these young people who say, Elaine, I am never going to be able to afford to buy this farm. I said, you got that right, Charlie. <laughs> you can afford to have it rolled over. What can you afford? Well, I can afford pieces of equipment or I can afford some of the shares or I can afford certain pieces of land with my young farmer discount, you know, that is offered to people under 40. And newsflash in Canada, if you're over 40, you're an old farmer because that's when you turn old, when you're 40, which is exactly at the same time I'm talking about needing to have power and control over your own family's future destiny. And how do you, how do you navigate this? 
by having really courageous conversations. The other thing I want to say is when you get emotional about us talking about your parents, it's because you have such deep, deep love and respect for them and you don't want to cause them harm. But you could also go up to your dad and say, dad, no matter what happens, you are never, ever going to be on the street. I've got your back. And so does Carrie. And so does the rest of the family. And when we were with Wes's mom, when she was dying, she, she knew she was dying and, and, and it took four months in palliative care, but she took great joy in, in hearing from her grandchildren, how they were going to spend their inheritance because she told them, I am leaving each of you $10,000, but I want you to tell me what you're going to do with the money. And one of them was going to go to business school. One was an equestrian rider. She was going to work on her horses. Another one was going to buy his airplane. That was my son, a little Cessna. And, and another one, my daughter was going to go on a study trip of Kenya. Now, why am I telling this story? It's because the, it's the gift and the power of appreciation in the present moment with a warm hand. And no, she didn't give them the money until she passed, but she, the kids knew what was coming. There was no secrets. And they got to say, thank you, grandma. And we also got to assure her that should a miracle happen and she be healed and not die then, that we would take care of her because that's what families do, right? And I have this other great story of a young dairy farmer who left one province, moved one province over because of family dynamics that weren't healthy. And then there was a death, there was a divorce before the death. And he said to his siblings, no matter what happens to you, I'm going to take on all of this debt, which was north of 5 million. No matter what happens on my dairy farm, I want you all to know I've got your back. And, and who does that, Jason? And again, that is another significant cultural shift because people are fighting over, well, he gets the farm and he's going to flip it and it's worth millions. I go, have you ever had a conversation with your brother or your sister about what you might need if you get in financial trouble? Because we have had that conversation with our siblings and it's, it's my brother gave me a $70,000 Kubota for my 60th birthday. And when I told that story in Deadwood on Friday, they're all saying, can I get adopted into your family? <laughs> I'd, I'd really love a skid steer. Of course you would. Most basic piece of equipment on a farm, right? But my, my brother said, look, I've, I've been very blessed. I want to give you something, but are you willing to receive it? And my husband said, well, we could buy our own skid steer. I said, yeah. I said, but this is something he wants to do. And so he did. And he only had one stipulation is we had to get little black decals made for the side of the Kubota that say little Al, which is his name is Al. And he said, I just want to know what this thing's doing. So every once in a while, when I'm on the, walking around the farmyard and, and little Al is doing something, I take a picture, I text him and say, it's a great day on the farm. Little Al's working. And where is it written, Jason, that you can't give gifts with a warm hand? And, and you can't, you know, the emotion that you have around your parents is share that with them. And if it's hard to do it verbally, I've been coaching young men and women to write their parents a letter and say, dear mom and dad, I really appreciate all the opportunity that you've given me on this ranch. And I want you to finish well. And so I need you to make some decisions to secure your future and your ability to adjust as you age in place here. And I also need you to know that I can no longer just keep being an employee. Mm -hmm. I need to ask you to remember what was it like when you owned your first herd of cows? What was it like and how did it feel when you signed the deed 
to that first piece of property that actually had your name on it. Because that's what happens is, is time just rolls by. Do you remember the year 2000? That I was, was in high school. 22 years ago. I was in high school, yeah. yeah. You were in high school. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I, w- I had an 11-year-old son <laughs> 22 years ago. And so this whole procrastination about not having these courageous conversations is killing agriculture. And it has to stop. And I just want the families listening to this to practice saying, I'm just curious, mom, you're looking really tired. What's happening for you right now? Or I'm just curious, dad, I don't want you to hurt your back or work past six o'clock. So in harvest time now, you go home after six and we'll finish off the rest of the night. And, and, and you, you ask the other person, how's it going? And, and you really listen or you watch for signs that things are changing because things are always changing. Change is inevitable. Growth is optional. And that's a John Maxwell quote. All right, guys, we'll pick it up there next week with Elaine Fraze for part two of the Ag State of Mind podcast with her. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate your patience with me this week as we had a delay in this episode coming out. We had a busy weekend, a busy start to the week as well. Um, Thankfully, Levi was able to get the editing going and get it out to you on this Wednesday morning. So, all right, I will talk to you guys next week and appreciate you listening all the time to the Ag State of Mind podcast. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.